Hello, and welcome back to Jumpcast. We, uh, sorry we were away last week. There was a small case of COVID going around. Uh, Alex and I both succumbed. Obviously, I need to know who we are for that to make any sense. I'm Simon Whitlock, and joining me, as I mentioned, is Alex Gilston. Hello! And Charlotte Harrison. Ahoy. Ahoy. That was a very hesitant ahoy. No, I was thinking, I I was going to say my next sentence, but I forgot I had one before the next sentence, if that makes sense. I was already oh, okay. in sentence two. And my you were caught between sentence sentences. Was, yeah, exactly. Trapped between the lines. Um, you, you didn't have the same case of COVID, because you live in different parts of the country. Basically, yes. Yeah, we, we ended up with the same thing, but with different things. I mean, wow, that makes so much sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> doing same, really well. Different. The same but different. <laughs> it's like every episode of Jumpcast. Yay. No, no, of course not. Um, because this week in particular, we are talking about, well, the things we would have been talking about last week. So men, uh, well, always talking about men on this here podcast, but more specifically uh, the Alex Garland film and the biggin in many, many ways, big film, Jurassic World Dominion, the <laughs> last... Nice. There's a little bit of harmonising there, just about. <laughs> yeah, kind of worked. <laughs> so yes, the last film in what's being marketed as the Jurassic Saga. I'm not so sure about that. But yeah, we'll be getting to that down the line. Of course, we've got your usual bits, your trailer talks and your news to come up. Some fun bits to talk about, actually, this week. I'm looking forward to that. But as we do every week going to start off with our own little catch-ups so charlotte how you doing first of all i am present i'm here that's what counts present here and accounted for that's good and uh well it's been it's been it's god it's so weird when we take like a week off in between bits because it just feels like forever between doing mm. this it really does and i was on east no i was on half thermic before that and then i'm off next week you get a little taste of me everyone a little taste a of soup song of charlotte i've never called myself the charlotte in my life i'm never gonna do that again um but yeah so it has been a little while and that means there's probably been six episodes of below deck if you do your maths uh it's cracking on quite nicely excellent not much excellent. more to add what i really want is for people who listen to this to message me that they watch below deck and we'll start our fan club because right now i'm adrift wait on my yeah. own uh, and I could do with an anchor. <laughs> um, in terms of other things I've been watching, Midwich Cuckoos on Sky has been very good. Very good mm -hmm. adaptation of the classic novel. And I want to give a massive shout out to Abbott Elementary on Disney Plus, which I feel like as a nation we're not talking about enough. Because um, I feel like when it was on in America every week, it was getting that kind of buzz and discussion and conversation. So yeah, I I kind of vaguely remember it being popping up on Disney Plus, but since then, yeah, I I don't think anyone's mentioned it in terms of hey, by the way, this is on until just then. Yeah, I wrote an article on it because it just so inspired me when it came to its presentation of teaching, because it's unafraid to show how rubbish the job can be <laughs> in terms of uh oh how specific we're going here in terms of leadership at a higher level. Um, and money as well and budgets and that kind of thing but also how brilliant the job can be I've always said about teaching people ask me like oh what's that like working in a secondary school 11 to 18 
and I always say really clearly, when it's good, it's the best. Like it's otherworldly, brilliant, ascending, brilliant, good, fantastic. When it's bad, it is soul destroying, crippling. Oh. And the show does that really nicely, showing the balance. Yeah, it, like I'm well perfectly. aware if I described anything else other than teaching as that, it would be a very toxic relationship. I'm very aware <laughs> of that. <laughs> but we carry on. So yeah, that's my top two tips. Midwich Cuckoos on Sky slash Now and other elementary and Disney Plus. Nice. So creepy kids or stressful teaching lifestyle. <laughs> Both have creepy kids. No. Both have creepy kids. <laughs> I say on I can't possibly comment on the Abbott Elementary ones. <laughs> but no, good to know. Good to know that's the vibe. <laughs> All right. Uh Alex, how about yourself? How how are you feeling, first of all? Are you feeling yeah, better? I feel like I'm COVID free. I'm ready to get back out there, spread my wings, and fly. Spread your wings and fly. I was very worried about where that was going because I thought you were going to invoke that song by that artist. Oh, of course. Yep. Yeah. I'll take that back. Yeah. Um... Okay. <laughs> good, good, good. good. <laughs> um, He's flying look. without wings instead. Ah, uh, yes. Perfect. Definitely the better way to go with that one. Excellent. Okay, that's much better. Yeah, that is much better. Uh, <laughs> and in terms of uh, stuff outside of what we're going to be talking about later, what's caught your eye? Um, well, I have to second Charlotte on Abbott Elementary. I've not watched it all, but um, it is properly brilliant. Really, really good. Something I feel would have maybe benefited from like a a Brooklyn Nine Nine treatment, i.e., like it mm. going on E four and having a weekly release type thing even though it is like massively delayed just the fact that it's all been shoved on disney plus is not helpful to it in any way hmm. and it was a wednesday release as well yeah which is you know obi-wan day miss marvel day as well yeah mm. yeah yeah quite a bit um no but properly the things that i want to recommend uh today uh big boys on channel four is oh, yes yeah. phenomenal phenomenal stuff uh jack rook uh who wrote it semi-autobiographical um it's just brilliant it's so funny um it's like this coming of age story about um a gay man who is just you know going to university and trying to traverse that whilst also working out the grief he has for his father who's just died and and that kind of stuff and then his best friend who is straight um which you don't hear very often it's usually an ally lama yes <laughs> <laughs> um and and then how he's dealing with university and uh, dealing with you know stuff in in his life and it's all just perfectly put together and one thing i love so much about it is the fact that it's so very obviously like embedded in like early 2010s british culture oh yeah because i know that a lot like when it comes to sitcoms like this that come out on channel 4 and bbc and stuff they're usually like set in the 90s or early 2000s and i don't really connect to that properly but meal deals alison hammond and gamu from the x factor is my <laughs> it's my vibe it really is so it just worked so well and it was so easy to connect to and everyone's brilliant in it and then avoidance another another comedy lo and behold um which is on the bbc uh written partially by ramesh ranganathan it also stars him 
And that's also one that I started and wasn't too sure about. But as it's gone on, um, I've started to like it a lot more and, and appreciate how clever it is and how funny it can be. So, yeah. Excellent. I say I'm already on board the Big Boys bus. I've the Big Boys bus. Uh, I've yeah binged that. It's like, look, I'm just gonna move on from it. Okay, we're just gonna. You're not a Kishu boy. You're a big boy. <laughs> I'm a big. I'm a big boy bus. <laughs> big boy busser. Uh, <laughs> not going to uh, dwell on that. <laughs> but the other one that, that sounds interesting actually. Uh, is that avoidance? Did you say? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, nice. Ramesh Ranganathan breaks up with his. Uh, partner they have a child together um and the whole first episode is him trying to avoid the um dreaded talk with his son he literally like takes him to another part of the country because he doesn't want to have the conversation oh god <laughs> is it, it <laughs> yeah no he, the, the character he plays is a proper wet flannel um and i relate to him maybe a bit too much but yeah it's it is really good <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. Well, I'm glad to hear there's some recommendations, though. That's always good. Uh, cool. I don't actually have that much to share on that front. I've just been watching comfort TV because I've not been feeling too great. Um, and then watching the sports, which is, as, a, as, a, as an England follower, not too great at the moment in terms of the football. But the cricket's going well, so that's something, I guess. Anyway, we go on. Yeah, sports. Because... Yeah, sports. Oh, God. Anyway, right, so that's that side of things over and done with. And it's time to get cracking on to the show properly. And of course, that be that means we start with the news. So a couple of things have happened since we were last on In Your Ears. Again, going with that, moving on. And uh, the biggest one, most probably to this point, anyway, I've put it recording, is Joker 2 has pretty much been confirmed. Uh, it's going to be called, apparently, Joker Folia Deux. I, for one, would have preferred Joker Infinity on High, but that's just my preference. <laughs> and, uh, well, more things have been coming out of this. First of all, that um, Lady Gaga, of all people, is being... I say of all people. Lady Gaga is being considered for a role potentially being Harley Quinzel, Harley Quinn. And the most notable thing of this is that this could be a musical. Now, I will be completely candid. I was not a fan of Joker 1. I didn't like it one bit. In fact, I probably go so far as to say I, I hated it a little bit. Uh, this has me very excited. Because it's, well, first of all, upsetting all the right people. But also, it's a risk, right? Guys, am I alone in this? Alex, what do you think? Absolutely you are. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> that The thing is, Simon... You, you've you've fallen for the trap, hook, line, and sinker. This is how they get you, the Lady trap. Gaga. Oh, I mean, a musical. <laughs> it's still Joker, though. It's still Todd Phillips. I, Look, I, you know, the, the, you can cover a piece of shit in glitter. It's still a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying those 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 things could could over override overpower. The negatives. <laughs> Plus, Joaquin Phoenix is not officially coming back for this yet. Oh yeah, he hasn't apparently hasn't made a deal yet, has he? He hasn't made a deal, so it could be you know if we do have 
Gaga in this, if this is how things are going forward. I'm just putting it out there. Todd Phillips collaboration. Bradley Cooper? Well, I'm not going to lie. On my bingo card of um, films that Todd Phillips was going to copy for Joker 2, A Star is Born wasn't on there. <laughs> a Star is Born, or indeed, if we're going down the Scorsese <laughs> route, uh, <laughs> is it New York, New York? Oh, man. Um, but yeah, I, you know what? <sighs> okay. So, so far... So far, it's still just a party of one. Charlotte, which which side do you fall on this? I'm, it's 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 not necessarily a binary choice, but well, as a massive Joker and Todd Phillips, <laughs> no, um, no, I I really didn't like the first one. I wrote a review of it, um, and then it was suggested that because I'm a female writer, they couldn't publish that review because it would oh. attract too much hate for me. Um, because it did happen to someone else I know. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I remember that actually happening. Yeah, quite quite widely discussed as well, which is a real yeah. just ugh, God's sake. Um, I really wasn't struck about film. I felt like it. I don't think it held up a mirror to society. I think it held up a false veneer that certain people have about society, particularly its depiction of mental health that I really struggled with. Mm. Um. I saw somebody did a poster a few years ago for Ha Ha Land, and they recreated La La Land, but Harley and Joker, and then someone said, I didn't think this would actually be a real- reality. <laughs> Which I quite liked. <laughs> the bit that interests me about this, the only bit that interests me about this, aside from Lady Gaga being the only choice I think could get me into it otherwise, would be the fact, I can't think of many examples where someone has won an Oscar for their performance, and then there's been a sequel where they've appeared in it. I think there must be a very short list of those hmm. films. Because it I think it's asking a lot for Joaquin Phoenix to go back after he's won that award, after he said about how difficult an experience it was filming and that character. Hmm. And we can say what we want about the idea of um being captured by the character in that way. Method acting, there we go, that's the yes. one I'm thinking of. Yeah. <laughs> No one ever method acted being a nice person, did they? True. That's a very good point. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Damn. That's deep. No, that's a very that is a very good point. And yeah, it's. I mean, these things uh, we haven't even got any like details on filming or anything else like that. This is we are purely in knowing that a script is there, and that casting is being considered. So. You know these things may change, and we may we may see an entirely different beast by the time this thing comes out. But yeah, it's um. Look, when I say I'm a bit excited by this, this is going from like absolute zero degrees Kelvin to a teeny bit off the ground, like like a millimeter hovering in terms of excitement, like if that. I'm <laughs> my expectations are very low. Is all I'm gonna say. <laughs> uh, so I'm not. I'm not gonna be rooting for this unless it really impresses me. Like you know, I'll go in with an open mind when it comes out. If it comes out, I anyway. Wish they just dropped the film because it's realizing now you've made the point about it's just the script. You're like it takes a solid two years from script to release. Oh yeah, that means this film is gonna be hovering around like fly on the ship. Two years, <laughs> and the shit's gonna have the glitter covered shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh god! 
<laughs> I love that we're staying with this analogy. I'm a really big fan it's of it. It's a beautiful analogy, yeah. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. <laughs> I wonder how many film bros are pissed off with that analogy. Since they listened to our podcast, we pissed off Matt Damon on week two. We did, and we had an extended go at Tarantino last episode. Ready to go again. Oh, yeah. We've got plenty of that in the chamber, I'm sure. Jumpcast, the podcast for lefty millennial snowflakes. (laughs) Essentially, yeah. yeah. (laughs) We need to get in on the... um... All the all the hashtags, the Johnson out hashtags. What number are they on now? Eight <laughs> hundred, nine hundred. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> some fun politics there for you. Uh, cool. Speaking of, <laughs> so oh everyone's favorite, uh, <laughs> everyone's favorite bear, uh, who is fresh from uh, a fun, let's call it fun, visit to Buckingham Palace. To meet a oh, definitely God. not animatronic queen is uh, well, it's it's confirmed for the uh, for the third cinematic outing uh, as a change of director and the professional that I am, I do not have the name in front of me. I do have the name of the film though. It's going to be called Paddington in Peru. So whether this is a case of him going to visit his home, or if it's a case of him. Maybe being a victim of our current Home Office's policies. <laughs> it's well, it remains to be seen. But what we do know is that we have Dougal Wilson. Dougal Wilson, thank you, as the director of this after the departure of Paul King, and um, and yeah, we've well, we'll just have to keep waiting for things to uh, to come out for it. There's been no announcement of any releasing or anything like that, of course. Again, these things are yet to set in motion in terms of actual pre-production or production. But as and when we get them, we will, of course, keep you up to date. Uh, But guys, from what we've heard so far about this, Charlotte, what are your thoughts on Paddington in Peru? I'm pretty sure I said on the podcast a few months ago, like, my bet was Craig Roberts, the director. Mm. Um, It felt like a really safe bet. Though... It was pointed out to me by the one and only Tom Beasley, who, as we know, is the Paddington 2 and Paddington expert. Oh, yeah. Um, Paul King was a bit of an unknown entity when he got it, and that it wasn't a surefire thing. It was a real, it felt like a risk at the time. So it feels like a good call to go for a director like this. And looking over this director's calibre, he might not have done a feature film to this extent, but he's really cut his teeth on some really incredible projects. Oh yeah, no, he's got a really interesting portfolio for sure, and um, and yeah, like you say, like no one who's really like even Craig Roberts has got like two feature films, like if he, if it did come to him to date, like and yeah, and Paul King, like you said, it's just an unknown quantity to begin with. So it does feel like they are willing to go. Okay, yeah, here we go. Give it a give, <laughs> give it a go, kind of thing. Um, but yeah, we'll have to hope and wait, I guess, because yeah, the first two were so good. Uh, Alex, do you share that sentiment? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, but I I can't see why it would be a problem. I assume I, I it Paul King is doing it because of Wonka, right? I'm assuming Wonka and other things stemming the from there. That, yeah, I do wonder what um 
what the board meeting was like when they were, you know, throwing around names and someone was like, oh, do you remember that? That John Lewis advert from Christmas with the dog that was jumping on the trampoline. Yeah, the person who did that. <laughs> <laughs> what was that name of the dog? Was it Buster? Buster, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. And also the uh, music video for Satisfaction by Benny Benassi. <laughs> <laughs> that is an iconic video. It is the first thing I think of when I think of Paddington. It's power tools and... Um, I don't want to know what you've been watching. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say jiggling. <laughs> well, he he's done five John Lewis adverts. Over so the yeah, years. he is Mr. John Lewis Christmas advert, isn't he? Yeah. Um, and has also done adverts for Apple and uh, AT and T. Not sponsored, but um, if you do want to get in touch, Apple then. Oh yeah, yeah. Know. I say I've been I've I've been with the same phone for about two maybe three years now, so I could do with uh, <laughs> I could do with an Apple sponsorship. <laughs> but yeah, no, he's um yeah he's a very interesting choice, and I think it should be very fun. And yeah, no matter what happens, I'm gonna like exactly the opposite of Joker the musical or whatever I'm calling this. Uh, I am so excited <laughs> like the first two films. Firstly, Paddington films are just, yeah, like they're, they're all timers for me. But yes, we'll have to wait and see. One thing that we don't have to wait too far away for. Too far away? Too long? Oh, English is failing me. Clearly, I'm blaming it on long COVID, even though I've got no other issues there. Uh, so, we've been waiting. I say we've been waiting. It's been three, two and a half years now since Knives Out. And we knew that a sequel was coming. In fact, we know that sequels are coming. Uh, thanks to Netflix buying loads and loads of films from Ryan Johnson. And we know officially now that the first of these sequels, the second Knives Out mystery, as it's called, Glass Onion, Benoit Blanc shall be returning with a raft of A-listers from all parts to figure out, well, figure out a mystery in Greece. So, let's let's get into wild speculation mode. Put on your tinfoil hats and join me in rampant speculation cave. Yeah. Uh, so, based on the based on the name alone, because that's all we have, and the fact that this is coming out later this year. What do we What do we think, guys? What's when you think Glass Onion? Aside from the Beatles' White Album track, what are you thinking? Uh, Alex. I've actually never heard of the Beatles, so you're going to have to elaborate. No, um... Cool, that's a good start. I don't actually know. Goddamn Zoomers. All I hear is glass and onion. Um, and knives out. And I'm in. Excellent. Okay, great. Well, that's... <laughs> good, 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 good. Okay, uh, then Charlotte. A Gibson martini has an onion in it. A Gibson martini. Like a dirty martini has olive in it, but a Gibson oh, yeah. martini has an onion. Ooh. Of course. That's great. People, they just want to ruin stuff, don't they? What, just... onions? Yeah, oh god, they're the worst thing. Do you like olives? I like olives. Big, big olive fan. You know fan. it's called a dirty martini because of the olive juice. Oh, I know, yeah. 
But I yeah. found that out recently, so I feel like I have to impart that on everyone. Just <laughs> catch them up like me. Wait, you don't like but onions? I feel like... No. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Oh, wow. Is it's it the onion... texture? Because the salt would work quite nicely with the martini. See, yeah, it's not... You're not, you're not selling it. I'm, would it be I'm like afraid. a pickled onion? Or would it just be like a... I, I'm picturing somebody putting a full onion into a... <laughs> no, like a pickled onion from a jar, yeah, from a jar. I would say, yeah. Like, this cocktail sounds onion exactly called, like my worst nightmare. Yeah, cocktail onion that you would put on like a uh, a toothpick with um, cheese and a pineapple piece of pineapple. <laughs> yeah, make a hedgehog birthday cake. <gasps> yeah. Oh, they were the jam back in the day. Although that's what you need in big boys. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it was severely lacking. <laughs> the only thing <laughs> mind it was near perfect otherwise let's say it marks down for the lack of pickled onion cheese hedgehogs, hedgehogs. <laughs> <laughs> oh god well on that note thus endeth the news section and uh, we'll move straight on uh, at rapid pace into trailer talk Trailers. And we start with uh, it's a Netflix prestige picture. They're still trying to be taken seriously, and they're going for it with an adaptation of Jane Austen's Persuasion. This has uh, a great cast as you'd expect from a production like this. So you've got Dakota Johnson in the lead. You've got Cosmo Jarvis, Nikki Amuka Bird, Richard E. Grant, and Henry Golding in this, uh, among others. I'll be completely honest. In terms of the Austin output, the bibliography, I don't know. Uh, the <clears throat> excuse me, uh, persuasion is not one that I'm all too familiar with. So if either Alex or Charlotte could shed a little bit of light, I'd be most grateful. Alex, I'm I was so tempted to just to sit in silence for a second. I then. was literally <laughs> just thinking. Ah, yes. Let's go to our um. Person who's <laughs> never read a book in his life apart from Captain Underpants <laughs> and Charlotte, <laughs> the teacher. Yeah, so, Persuasion is possibly one of Jane Austen's lesser known novels, and it's also probably been less adapted, I'd argue. Mm-hmm. Whereas Pride and Prejudice, we know pretty well the enemies to lovers trope. Persuasion has a lot more sort of longing, and I'd say it's a little bit slower. The language is also beautifully written. Um, and I would argue the language in the trailer isn't as beautifully written. Uh, not just as Jane Austen, just in terms of written. Mm. There's yeah, a no, line about exes which felt really jarring. Um, I said to Alex earlier on, I was like, what did you think of the trailer? I felt like they were flea-bagging Jane Austen. And I think now that's the phrase I plan on using. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, yeah, it's a very good point. I think, yeah, the, the vibe I got from this was very... Um... Quippy, certainly. Yeah. There's a 1995 version with Kieran Hines that is beautiful and captures that kind of sweeping, yearning. Mm. Like Kieran Hines, legend. I watch him in anything. Oh, yeah. Um, and with this one, it feels a bit too quick and witty. Book Twitter has not been impressed. I'm part of both worlds, book and film Twitter. And book Twitter isn't very happy. I'm in for it in terms of is it going to be a charming romance? Hopefully. Will it get more people into Jane Austen? You never know. Do I like looking at Henry Golding in suits? Yes, I do. Thank you for asking. 
Honestly, I didn't even think it was worth asking because I thought that was a safe assumption across the board. I wanted to make sure everyone was on the same page. Excellent. <laughs> page. I say, it's, it's important to make sure that they, we stay calibrated on these things. <laughs> but yes, no, I completely agree. And yeah, from from the from the lay person's perspective, I must admit I'm mm, we'll see. Uh but Alex, as well, the the antithesis of book Twitter. <laughs> what are your thoughts? <clears throat> Henry Golding. No thoughts, head empty. Henry Golding. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, great. Well it's a clean sweep of Henry Golding admiration. <laughs> he can come on the podcast. Yeah. You're welcome. He's, exactly, he's, yeah, he's welcome the best boys key. He's in, yeah. The... <laughs> and if he holds a hedgehog shape, he's an onion. <laughs> if any illustrators out there who want to draw that oh for gosh, me, please. that image is now. <laughs> if you get that commission for the big one year celebration. <laughs> yeah, it's my 30th of August, guys. Anyone? <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Perfect. If anyone's listening who is a budding artist, <laughs> the gauntlet has I'm been thrown down. This was ever said. I'm going to open my birthday cards on the 25th of August and go, why the fuck is Henry Gold <laughs> He'll turn up at your door, just holding it, ready to go. I yeah. don't know for what, but. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is getting away from us, I think, a little bit. So uh, let's move on uh, to. Well, guys. I don't know about you. I I was looking away for five seconds, and the hierarchy of power in the DC universe has changed forever again. <sighs> it's, it's it's always doing that. It's classic, classic DC universe hierarchy of power. <clears throat> so <laughs> we are of course talking about Black Adam, which got its anticipated by some trailer. Uh, well, certainly not by me until uh, a certain. Bronhom appeared with full dashing facial features and facial hair and ah, oh, the man's just great. It's just can we just have a whole film of Silver Fox Pierce Brosnan, please? Sorry, I forgot there are other people here. Um, Alex, <laughs> from what you've seen of the trailer for Black Adam so far, uh, this is of course coming out in October now as opposed to next year. Uh, what are your thoughts? Um, n- mm. still not very good, does it? But Pierce Brosnan? Mm. See, not even wow. that. Like if Henry Golding was in it, yeah, sure. Oh. <laughs> Holding a cheese. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah, it just doesn't look. It just looks exactly the same as every other DC movie. Um, yeah. It just looks like an expensive vanity project on behalf of Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I mean, of course it is. Yeah, that's what and the thing it, is. It always has it been. Will... It just feels like the two astronauts being <laughs> always has been. It will make book at the box office because it's got Dwayne Johnson in it. It's Dwayne Johnson as a superhero. It's like the perfect fusion of box office yeah. gold. And I wonder how many scenes are going to be in the jungle. Because <laughs> I feel like he has to have Just it. Taking in his... a mouthful of drink. <laughs> <when you> said... <laughs> feel like it has to be in his contract that at least some jungle is in his film. Yeah, yeah. It's um, <laughs> it's, uh, it sure is a thing. Uh, but yeah, uh, mm, can't. Well, like I said, 
Piers Brosnan so far is doing it for me. Uh, Charlotte, what about you? Do you ever, ever have that mate who really, really tries at something, but they're not very good at it, and you're like, you can do it, but you know they can't, but you're kind of supporting them because you've got some loyalty there. Oh, yeah. That's how I feel about this franchise. Um, I loved DC growing up. I was... <laughs> My brother was into Marvel. I was the DC chick, as I thought was really funny to call myself. <laughs> and, you know, we'd go we'd visit Eastbourne, uh, from Eastbourne, going to London, Forbidden Planet, and we'd go to our separate shelves. And I was reading these books. Yeah. I was reading about Doctor Fate, and I, I love those characters. So there's part of me, that little childhood self, who's still excited that they're being adapted. But then you watch this trailer, and it's just so disappointing. Yeah, it just... There's, I was watching it, and I just felt... It feels so unremarkable. Mm. And when you've got people like, yeah, like Dr. Fate, like Hawkman and things like that in there, you're just like, mm, okay. They released some character posters uh, after the trailer came out and they were giving me like sky high vibes, but not in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. It did just, just... look a bit cringe. There's something about it which is a bit, yeah. I mean, DC continue to mistake murky for moody. Yeah. The the films are so dull. I think they're better off going to like proper throw all everything at it and go like Batman Brave and the Bold style, like mental nineteen sixties colourful. Yeah. Because you need to be the antithesis of Marvel. Yes, I know Marvel have got Thor for the brightness, but when you compare the colour palette to most of those films, they are decidedly darker. Yeah, it's it's a strange one. I I've gone on the record before to say that we need the bright camp colourful back in these things. And yeah, I feel like if anything's gonna do it, well, maybe not Black Adam because <laughs> Yeah. But some something's gotta give. I thought Shazam might have been it for a brief second. It tried. Tonally, it was there, perhaps not with the... The, the... the way it looked. Yeah, the power. Yeah. But hey, I'm nothing if not an optimist. <laughs> Maybe DC League of Super Pets will solve everything. Yeah. Maybe. Unless the tone is really different to the trailers <laughs> so far. <laughs> I did briefly then just forget Teen Titans, and that's a bang at that. Oh my god, Teen Titans Go to the Movies is properly funny. More, more like that, please, DC, if you're listening. <laughs> okay, cool. So, let's move on, because, you know, before we know it, the hierarchy of power in the DC universe is going to change again. So, it's not worth dwelling on it. Uh, so, let's crack on with the trailer for Don't Make Me Go. Now, this is going to be an Amazon Prime film. Um, it stars John Cho, uh, who plays a guy who has... Uh, learned that he is essentially not long for this world and so basically tries to spend make as much time valuable and precious with his daughter played by Mia Isaac Maya? Mia Isaac, yeah um, guys, I feel like this is going to reduce me to tears I don't know how you feel, Charlotte I'm guessing you feel I oh mean, yeah, I yeah. was just going to make it out of my diary it's out July 15th, going to cry 15th that of day July. yeah, that's a crying day it's everything about it. It looks what I'd want to watch. And then I look at this cast list. I didn't clock Jermaine Clements in it. Oh. It also says Hugh McGregor here, which I don't know if that is a spoiler. 
Very interesting. Well, if it is, we're very sorry, guys. <laughs> Still got a name, <laughs> so you never know. Let's say, yeah, it's um, certainly an interesting one. Uh, but yeah, it looks fantastic. And yeah, the trailer alone was just getting me a bit wobbly-lipped. Um, but Alex, what about yourself? Are you made of sterner stuff? Absolutely not. Definitely not. Yes. Uh, Yeah, this will no doubt, again, reduce me to to a flood of tears. Wonderful. Okay, well, you can look forward to that in, well, a matter of weeks from, uh, well, the point this goes out. So we'll look forward to that. Okay. A bit further down the line, it feels like anyway. Uh, So we're back to Netflix again for another, well, certainly expensive looking film. And this is a school, no, sorry, The School for Good and Evil. Uh, so this is Paul Feig, Feig? Did we ever get to the bottom of this? It's Paul Feig. 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 I thought it was Feig. I, I can never... I'm, I'm, Feige, is that what? After, it's, after, um, <laughs> it's after the Zachary Levi thing from a few couple of months ago. Now I'm just forever in doubt. Um, anyway, so yes, he is heading up this adaptation of a... Of young adult thing um, so we have a cast including Charlize Theron and Kerry Washington essentially the story involves uh, two two girls who are taken from the village uh, which has a history of missing children uh, to be taken to a school where they will be sorted into heroes or villains essentially and I'm making this comparison, having not seen the film, but think Sky High, but with fairy tale characters. So, you know, where you think like your Rapunzels, your Prince Charmings, that kind of thing, but also your wicked witches and your, I don't know, Captain Hooks. They all go through this academy, essentially, or equivalents thereof. But yeah, I mean, this sounds like an interesting, an interesting concept, certainly. And, uh, well, Alex, what are your thoughts so far from what we've seen? Many a nightmare back in the day of uh, a white man in, like, coach gear shouting, SIDEKICK! (laughs) 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 At me. Um, Yeah, no, I kind of... There are some similarities to be drawn, for sure. Um, What even was the last film that Paul... Made. Was it a simple favour? No. It no, I knew the answer last, to. Might have been last uh, Christmas? Oh, last no. Christmas, yeah. I want to say last Christmas. I think that's probably correct, actually. Which was very good. Which I'm not going to and... lie, I did actually quite yeah. like. And again, you know, we come back to him, Henry Golding. Uh, <laughs> se- All roads lead to Golding. <laughs> seven degrees of Henry Golding. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, no, so it'll be interesting to see him back. Um, yeah, I mean, it should be Spy 2, but we take what we get, you know? Yeah, I know what you mean. But yeah, I look, more Paul Feig, regardless, like you say, is a good thing. And yeah, yeah sure enough, this is his first thing since last Christmas, so we'll just have to wait and see, I guess. But Charlotte, what are your thoughts on, on, all, on all this malarkey? Um, this is based on a book from 2013. I've not read this book. I, I apologise for that. Um, what I really like, I was thinking about this, was there was a period where it felt like there were lots of fantasy films geared towards a female market, primarily, but not exclusively. 
um, in that Congregations Diversion, um, Mirror mm. Mirror, Snow White and the Huntsman, Maleficent. And it feels like we've not had another wave of that again. And quite often those films are berated critically and some audience response as well because they are female orientated. Like Twilight is the best example. Yeah. Particularly the first film of a good film that was pulled apart because it meant something to young women. My point being that I like the fact it looks like it's unreservedly embracing all those elements with this. Hmm. It looks fun. The women look powerful and the world yeah. looks, world building looks good as well. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's some good potential here. I, my, my main concern, and it's the same one with persuasion. I'll be honest that, you know, it's the common denominator in both of those things. Is Netflix actually going to put any effort into telling people about these films beyond mm. these first looks? Because realistically, if we went through nearly a year's worth of podcasts and we talked about the net, we looked back at our trailer talk for Netflix movies, how many of them did we actually end up watching because we just didn't know they'd been released? Yeah, genuinely. I think I can count on one hand the number of Netflix films we've actually talked about in reviews here. Mm. And, well, a worrying proportion of them contain Ryan Reynolds. And then um, how many trailers we talked about of theirs? So oh my god. Mostly yeah. Netflix, isn't it? It's like almost every week, if not every week, there is something of theirs that we talk about. But yeah, it's it doesn't convert into people actually watching these things. Um and you know, from from what you see in the news about how they're doing in terms of people actually sticking with them, it's I mean, no big surprise, really. Sorry, this all got very suddenly quite serious uh, when we were talking about you know the the way things are going in terms of um, streaming and things like that. Because you know some people are still saying it's the future, and I have no doubt that it is. But it's not bright future if that's the way that they're going to handle films. Anyway, uh, cool. So last trailer we're going to be talking about is one that's a little bit. Um, it's been around for a little bit now, but you know, off last week's. So don't blame us. Blame COVID. And um, so this is Strange World. This is the new Disney animated feature. And I I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like I've only just heard about this, like in the last, like from when the trailer came out. Normally with these things, there's a little bit of a announcement, that kind of thing. But yeah, this just kind of feels very like surprised this is coming out in a matter of like five months. And so from what we know anyway, so Strange World, this is uh, from the creative team that have been involved in Raya and the Last Dragon and Big Hero 6, among other things, and that Jake Gyllenhaal leads the voice cast, and it's about a travelling family travelling through space and time. Now, I mean, it's not a lot to go on, but we'll try. Uh, but Alex, what are your thoughts so far from what you've seen of Strange World? Well, if you know me, you know I've been on this since it literally got announced. Um... I remember it getting announced last year at potentially oh. like <clears throat> one of the Disney investor days or something like that. Yeah, I was going to echo that. I remember that. Um, so I've been pretty excited for it since, um, as I am with any Disney film. And then, of course, we had Encanto. Um, and then this is obviously the next one. And honestly, it looks wonderful. The animation looks so cool. Um, mm. It really does 
I mean, there's a wider conversation to be had, but it really does seem that, you know, Disney is always pushing the envelope on what they can do with animation and how far they can push it. And I mean, I suppose rightfully so, considering they have all the money. Um, But yeah, it looks brilliant. Finding out Jake Gyllenhaal is going to be leading the cast is uh, pretty cool. And yeah, it it looks different. And I believe... um, it seems like are they doing like musical, non musical, musical, non musical now? It does feel like it. Yeah, it feels like they're maybe getting into a bit of a pattern. Yeah. What's the next musical meant to be? I don't know. I don't think there is. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me now, Alex. I wanna know. No! I'll have a Can do you know what? While you're me. talking about it, I'll have a look. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I'm like meant to be the you know Disney we'll get the scoop person. ahead of ahead of D twenty three ahead of Comic Con whatever you know I want to know now damn it now. give me give me the give me the give me the information even if you had to make it up. it's a, it's a new it's Frozen three <laughs> Frozen three because <laughs> 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 apparently there's still money to be made. I mean, actually, yeah. If you look at, yeah, it's still it's still going strong. That thing. There, there is a date but... set, November twenty second, twenty twenty three. But there's not no information. So maybe okay. we'll find out at D twenty three later this year. Well, you never know. Great. Well, thank you, Alex and Charlotte. This week, you get the last word on this trailer talk, and well, this trailer in particular oh. as well. So the floor is yours to discuss anything that's left unspoken about Strange World. This will be a really fun point to say something and then just we'll move on, like something really shocking, controversial, but I don't really have anything shocking or controversial to say here. Um, The animation style looks beautiful. The poster is gorgeous. I don't know if you've had a look at it. It's clearly inspired by the 1950s kind of science fiction films, like it came from outer space. Um, Those kind of like, not quite Edward, better than Edward movies, which I really appreciate. I think the best Disney and Pixar movies are where they wear their influences really clearly but not like a patchwork quilt where it's just a load of easter eggs thrown together and that's the story where it's embellishing and taking those and moving it along like it's not disney but mitchell's versus machines i really got vibes watching miss marvel of that kind of style of a filmmaker bringing in their loves and their passions and their general nerdiness about films into something really cool i think that's happening here it certainly looks like it and that's always well cause for celebration certainly um but yes we will uh well when it comes out in november we'll of course have uh the word on it but as, as soon as more developments come down the line because there's still a whole cast to fill out here as well of course uh, we'll we'll keep you posted certainly and on any other developments around that but that was trailer talk so before we get onto the reviews as mentioned that will include jurassic world dominion men all my friends hate me and more we have our customary Thanks to give around these parts. Now, who is doing the honours this week? Or who would well, like to do the ages honors? since it was me. Shall I go? By all means, the, you can you can go for it. Give it all you got. Uh, every week, we like to have a special thank you to our patrons who help commission pieces for the Jump Cut online site and the Jump Cut magazine. And I think it's important to say how invaluable that support is in helping new writers into the industry, especially. So can we give a big thank you and a massive shout out to Chris Wilson, Enon Films, Robert Denny, Sarah Griffiths, Sam Luck, Paula Smith, Peter Hodgkins, Andy Meakin, 
Fabiana Rossa, Hamish Cowber, Manuel Bento, and Joe Craig. Thank you for your support and making Jump Cut be its amazing self. Wonderfully said. And yeah, couldn't agree more. And thank you guys. Wonderful. Okay, well, let's crack on with the review section that you've all been waiting for. And let's start with the most recent of the releases we're going to be talking about, and certainly the biggest. Now, God, must be nearly 10 years ago now that Colin Trevorrow's uh, Jurassic World, <laughs> I forgot the word of it, name of it then, uh, brought the, uh, the, the franchise back into the popular consciousness and forefront of, of, of that. Now we are, and then we had Fallen Kingdom in 2018, with a change of director, change of pace certainly, and a, well, change in dynamic of where dinosaurs were in this big old wide world. Now Trevor is back to wrap up things with Jurassic World Dominion. So, who do I go for first? Let's go for Alex. Alex. You have seen Jurassic World Dominion? Yes, I have. Wonderful. Tell me what you thought. Uh, yeah, so last, um, or in quotation marks, of course, last Jurassic Park, Jurassic World film. Um, and it's obviously bringing back all of the, the golden oldies from the original trilogy. To, to come and play, although we have had Jeff Goldblum a little bit um like cameo level in, in Fallen Kingdom, but we we're getting them all on a more substantial level in this film. Um and then also uh, playing around with of course the main cast, Chris Pratt and, and um Bryce Dallas Howard. Um and yeah I I wanna <laughs> everyone's probably expecting me to be like Oh, I just really didn't like it. Or actually, probably even further than that, I hated it. It was the worst film I've ever seen in my entire life. But it's just <laughs> not true. I actually fairly enjoyed it. The thing is, with these films, I suppose, is that you should kind of leave all logic and coherence at the door before you walk in. Um, and just it... Just <laughs> Just enjoy the ride, I think. Um, because, yeah, some of the plot is just a bit stupid and convoluted and, and doesn't really make all that much sense. But at the end of the day, it's a film where we get to see people fight massive cool dinosaurs. We also get to see those massive cool dinosaurs fight each other. And it's like a proper cool globe-trotting adventure. And I I really didn't have too many problems with it. I also would say that this is one of the clear examples of using legacy characters in a legacy sequel properly. Not naming any names. <coughs> Ghostbusters Afterlife. Um <laughs> You know, it actually the Jurassic World Dominion actually gave something for Sam Neill, Laura Dern, and Jeff Goldblum to do, you know that there was a big chunk of plot that was very dependent on their characters, which is perfect. Because I don't know about you guys, but I would have felt cheated if they'd have just come back in the last five minutes to save the day. It just wouldn't have made sense, and it just would have felt cheap and 
the same as some other films. So I, I you know, I really like that they were in it properly. Um, and especially Laura Dern. I absolutely love Laura Dern. She's brilliant in everything, and she was brilliant in this. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's not the best thing ever, but it's also definitely not the worst thing ever. And I think people are being unnecessarily unkind about it, personally. Um, and considering how much money it made in its opening weekend, I don't think we've seen the back of it, uh, personally. Not necessarily in this, um, in this way but definitely in some kind of way. And I, for one, wouldn't mind. Give me more dinosaurs. I'm a simple <laughs> man. I'm an innocent man. We're just innocent men. Just, just normal men. Just normal men. Just innocent men. Yeah. <laughs> more on that later. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's great. Me. Generally, it's not like the most mind-blowing thing ever. It definitely doesn't like push the envelope for legacy sequels like Top Gun Maverick did. But it's really not that offensive a film. Well, thank you, Alex. Uh, Charlotte, are you in agreement, or do you do you feel differently about Jurassic World Dominion? Dinosaur, more like dinosaur. Am I right? Um, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was quite bored during most of this, not all of this. Uh, there were some scenes I did feel that kind of fear. I don't want to go into too much detail because I feel like it's too spoilerific. Those who haven't seen it. But there were a couple of moments I was like, oh, this is what this film could be like if it maintained that tension. Mm. I think I like... I thought they were really stupid at the end of the last film, film two in this trilogy, where they released the dinosaurs into the world. And I was thinking, that's a really stupid idea because now you've got to live alongside dinosaurs. And as we know, probably not a good idea. Um, And instead of exploring that in what I think could have been like a Pokemon-esque kind of watching people live side by side we just get a recreation of Jurassic Park because they essentially without being again too spoilerific or detailed they end up at another park and it follows the same patterns of rescuing a lost child in amongst a park full of dinosaurs and I think that was where it kind of let me down I felt like there was more to be explored there that they just went for the old route the old hashed route and the problem with that I think fundamentally is it has these two narratives that end up joining together, unsurprisingly, following the new cast, Owen and Claire, whose names I have to really struggle to remember. <laughs> and then you've got the original cast with Dr. Malcolm um, and Laura Dern, Sam Neill. And I feel like their characters are just better drawn. And not just because they've had 30 years since the first film, but they're more constructed they have a personality to them whereas i find like claire and owen are so generic that it's not as entertaining as it could be um as alex said like you kind of check your brain in at the door for some of this because some of it is daft as anything um i think it's over long i feel like this could be a really gripping 90 minutes but instead it's two hours 10 i want to say no like 220 225 oh yeah. yeah, which I feel like I don't then I then have the question of who is this film for? Because I don't think many kids are really desperately begging their parents to go see this. But then it isn't massively there's a degree of fan service, but I don't know if it's could be more intricately plotted for an older audience. It kind of feels like a bit of a middle no man's land in terms of audience. But again, you said the box office 
maybe thinks that I'm wrong with that one. I'm a bit surprised how many children came in to watch it, actually. That's interesting. I mean, none of the kids I teach are talking about it. Mm. There is no buzz. And there was a BBFC competition to design the black card. Yes. So if you see us at the cinema, there is a really gorgeous, and I think it's by a 12-year-old, if I remember rightly. Uh, The top 10 entries were amazing, and none of the kids at school were that fussed about entering, and they love drawing. They're just like, meh. And I think that kind of sums up my view of the film a little bit. I probably will forget this. And also, I need to really point out the fact I've seen Jurassic World more times than I care to think, because it's been on telly, and I always find myself watching it. It's very it's easy busy. watching, isn't it? It's... Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, yeah, see, this is interesting, because when you were saying about um, kids being interested, I went to see this um, with the target audience being preteen boys, I guess, mm-hmm. um, in front of me, and each of them were going like, whoa, or, oh my God, or that kind of thing. Um, much more sincere than that sounded as well, I must say. <laughs> like properly but into it. Properly into it. Like they were like waving their arms at it. One kid had his hands on his head. Like genuinely, there was, there was, they, they felt caught up in the suspense of it. I thought, wow, okay. More power to you on that okay, one. Okay, well, that's really lovely to hear, to be honest. It, yeah, that's the thing. It's it's. I, I mean, I don't understand it myself, but you know, I'm I'm not twelve anymore. So <laughs> what do I know? Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I thought it was fine. I, I don't. I do think that the hyperbole about being the worst film ever and ever made and that kind of thing is well. I mean, it's ridiculous. There are so many films out there much more deserving of that title. Um, I'm not even going to get started nev- on that. We've but... mentioned five of them this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, we started off talking about one in the news, so there we go. Uh, but yeah, um, no, it's 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 fine. It's a solid three star film. You know, it's like you get what you kind of expect. I'd say maybe more locusts than I was expecting. <laughs> like by a certain percentage, I'm going to say a certain like, well. Definitely in the region of 100 at the least um, more Lucas than I was expecting in a Jurassic World Park film. Uh, and this is coming from someone who liked the first Jurassic World quite a bit, actually. I was not that big of a fan of Jurassic Park itself. I, I, I could take it or leave it as a kid. But it was fine. Um, but yeah, I found myself really enjoying Jurassic World. Didn't like Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom at all. And this was this was all right, you know. It was fine. It was it was well made. It did go on a little bit too long. I agree, Charlotte. Um, and yeah, like when anyone who isn't one of Doctor Grant, Doctor Sattler, or Doctor Malcolm on there on the screen, it's just it does wane a little bit. Um, I particularly enjoyed Jeff Goldblum's commitment to getting increasingly undressed. <laughs> Without meaning yep. to try to spoil anything there. <laughs> His line delivery was so good. Like, he could say stupid lines, but they were so charmingly delivered that you still laugh. Oh, yeah. And say, so it just made me think, because when you go back and watch the first Jurassic Park, like, Dr. Ian Malcolm is a jerk. Like, he's a total, like... And I love him, yes. Oh, yeah, but he's he's great. <laughs> oh, yeah. But he's, like, the... He's the lovable rogue, isn't he, really? He's the... <laughs> this whole thing's a whole bunch of hokum, yeah, nonsense. Uh, also, look at me, my shirt is coming off. 
Yeah. Um, I lie down on the floor while bleeding from a wound. <laughs> and very, very oiled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, don't love those films, but I've watched them a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I've got but a no. great shirt with that image on it. Oh my gosh. It's so good. I love the one of um, where it's Sam Neill putting his head to it like it is the uh, Triceratops. Yeah. <laughs> so good. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, in, in terms of this film, I thought it was okay. Yeah, I, I when it when it's on, like like you say, the moments of genuine tension are really well constructed. And I think had the film committed more to those moments, which are incidentally the moments with the most involvement with the dinosaurs. Mm. Um I think that's I, it, it was noticeable when it's just like it's it's the classic thing of where are the dinosaurs, and given that it's meant to be this whole setting of a world where dinosaurs and humans are struggling to coexist, certainly at the beginning, you just think, oh, okay, we're gonna get some real like drama here and real conflict, and then like you say, it's another park. Like, oh, okay, <laughs> but yeah, it it's fine, it's it's good fun. I will watch it again, and I'll go, well, that was all right. What I will so, say is yeah. that I thought that it was incredibly stupid that the taking off of the sunglasses homage was Laura Dern taking her sunglasses off to look at a field that had been ravaged by locusts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. thought that was <laughs> incredibly stupid. <laughs> and there were so many better ways that they could have done that if they were, if they were like, yeah, we can do this. Welcome. To the half-eaten cornfield. <laughs> do, 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 the do, corn do, that do, isn't do. this corn, though. It's not this corn, it's the magic corn. Can I do very special shout-out for Mamadou Ache? Yes, yeah, yeah. Who I had no idea was in this, and I love him in Patty Cakes. Um, He's wonderful in that, and also Uncorked on Netflix is a really underseen gem. I just enjoyed him in this a lot. He's got a great voice, for one thing. Oh, he does. And say, like, the supporting cast in this are really good. Like you say, it's those main two who are just a bit cardboardy. They have no chemistry at all. I s- yeah. Effectively, no chemistry. <laughs> I saw someone on Twitter say that, appara- that they thought that Chris Pratt had more chemistry with the dinosaurs. Than, uh, <laughs> 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 and say, where's the, uh, <laughs> where's, where's the forbidden love between Owen and Blue? Is all I'm just going to say. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's what formed their connection. Like, he doesn't specify. The way he made that promise to, you know, yeah. at the start of the film. That was, a, that was a lover's promise. I won't lie, the moment, the first moment he, he came on screen, I did roll my eyes. I, I couldn't help Ooh. it. It's just like an involuntary reaction at this point. Yeah, yeah. and I was thinking about it because I did the same. And I was like, I don't know how I've got from Parks and Rec to this feeling. Yeah. Mm. Let's say yeah, he went from lovable Andy Dwyer to worst Chris to worst in like Chris. absolutely. <laughs> uh, what my final word on this is that, um, although Star Wars fans in quotation marks that are still hung up on the fact that Colin Trevorrow didn't direct Episode Nine really need to let that go because. <laughs> well i won't go much further into that but you get the idea (laughs) (laughs) oh god okay well then (laughs) that was jurassic world dominion so let's go to something else let's take a, a different direction let's let's head to the countryside and to alex garland's 
latest film, Men. Now, this is... How to describe men? <laughs> That's a very big question, isn't it? But no. Um... <laughs> so Ben tells the story. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, cool. No, let's do this properly. So, Men. It's the story of Harper Marlowe, played by Jessie Buckley. She is getting away from the city after after witnessing the passing of her husband uh the relationship there may or may not be entirely happy and healthy in fact it might be on the abusive side of things uh and to get away to recover to heal she goes to a little Gloucestershire town where she's met by Rory Kinnear and then another Rory Kinnear and then another Rory Kinnear and and so on you get the idea and each one, as well, certainly, it's a, it's, a, it's a village populated by Rory Kinnears, all of which carry out these varying micro-macro aggressions. And there may be something altogether more mythical, supernatural, on the outskirts of the village, closing in on Harper as the film goes on. Um, now, Charlotte, I... We've spoken about this uh, outside of the podcast, and I know your feelings on this. So I'm going to come straight to you. <laughs> oh, so I was hoping you'd go, but you'd start and then like warm me up because I'm like, ah! okay, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you time to percolate. That's fine. Um, so yes, this comes uh, after Ex Machina and Annihilation as Alex Garland's big directorial outings. Uh, obviously, he's done things in the past in terms of writing in major ways. And and yes, so we come to men. Um, so, okay, Charlotte, if you want more time to, to build, uh, in that case, I'll go to Alex. Oh, pardon me. God, excuse me. Uh, I'll go to Alex first. Alex, what did you think? What are your thoughts on men? The film, I'm going to specify. Men, the film. Um, yeah, I I didn't quite mind it, actually. I, I think... It's one of those films where you walk out of it and you really need to have a proper, proper good old think about what you've just witnessed, especially those that closing 15, 20 minutes. Um, <clears throat> but I think it's brilliantly acted. I think um, Jesse Buckley is, is really, really good in it. Uh, Rory Kinnear is also quite uh, brilliant. Um, but yeah, I, as well crafted as the film is, and as much as I think I liked it, I can't, after thinking about it, personally get past some of the um, the problematic aspects of this film. <laughs> um, for example. It being written and directed by Alex Garland, who is also a man. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's a it's an iffy one. I do know what you mean. Yeah, I think it's certainly it's got some interesting things to say. Yeah, I think. And coming out of it, I did feel like I I liked that. I didn't like, for want of a better word, I enjoyed it. I, you know, it was it was on. I found it engaging, and when it finished, I found myself thinking, "Okay, that was an interesting argument and a and a, an interesting viewpoint." And I think it put its ideas across. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but yeah, it's not a film one could enjoy, certainly. But, you know, it's <laughs> words otherwise escape me. Um, I think it makes a very good, you know, I, I think I think it does raise those points and it does, um, you know, tell, it, it does get people, it does make people have to kind of confront the, um, the the thoughts and ideas of of what the film is trying to say certainly uh i think it could go further i think the people that really do need to kind of take a look in the mirror in terms of these things um aren't really you know they they i'm talking about the kind of the male capital m feminist capital f you know the guys that are like mm. oh well this couldn't possibly be talking about me i'm the good guy and it's like well, the film is quite explicitly saying it's it's all men um, yeah. but yeah, like you say, I, it coming from Alex Garland, um, who, you know, is not the best place to kind of be declaring these things. It feels like, yeah, it's, it's a flawed exercise. I think no matter what happens, yeah. but I thought the execution was well done. And I think Jessie Buckley is always great. And she does get to do her good like horror acting chops in this so mm. more power to her for that okay charlotte i feel like you are hopefully <laughs> i've been like go. gargling like pre-boxing <laughs> um yeah okay the floor is yours to discuss alex garland's I men keep thinking of like opening lines of how i'm gonna start this essay as i'm about to go on okay. uh, and i realized i can't and i was like that's really poetic that i've got all these ideas really messily thrown at a page because that's what this film is really messily ideas thrown on a page very poorly constructed with no overarching narrative or purpose so i watched this film and i kept muttering to myself i did realize out loud there was no one sat near me so it's fine the fuck the fuck as i was watching this because certain bits of this film just made no sense this film leans towards a mythology particularly one involving invoking the green man which is i think celtic but doesn't really explain it when you watch the trailer you see that all the men have Rory in his face and you think oh there's something going on there i wonder what's going on there the film doesn't explain that either it leaves a lot of open questions but when you've got so many open questions you've in fact got holes in your storytelling and there are many in this film there's very little explained. Most of it is sort of one-dimensional archetypes, like the friend whose only purpose there is for Jesse Buckley to explain the story to us. And that's not to yeah. say, like Alex said, there are really good points here. It's beautifully shot. Uh, Jesse Buckley is phenomenal. Um, but that's sort of where it ends for me, to be honest. And I think part of that is because of the whole experience it's depicting is one i don't think it was alex garland's place to tell every woman and anyone who identifies as woman or anything has got experiences of being harassed like for me i was doing a lesson with my year at boys yesterday and this came up actually about sexual harassment statistically 97 percent of women have been harassed and most often it is in a public place like walking 55 percent said that they have been harassed 29% I think it was on public transport we all have these stories and we have nothing to gain from watching these encapsulated on the screen there's a sequence where Jessie's going about her day in the house and there's these large glass windows where Rory Kinnear as one of the characters appears following and watching her for me that is my worst nightmare that's horrific and the film spends a good hour over an hour just torturing Jessie Buckley's character 
because from the sound of it, she is a woman. And then it evokes imagery towards the end that I don't think it's its story's place to tell. It serves no purpose. And it's imagery that was done better and utilised more effectively in Amulet from a couple of months ago that I really love. This film feels like men shrug. Like it's showing what men can do, the evil that the everyday man can inflict. But it isn't saying anything about it beyond this shit happens. Right? And that really infuriated me. I think that's a really fair point. I think, yeah, it's it's entire. It, it does feel entirely surface level, you know. And I guess the most that anyone could hope for is that people who haven't been having those conversations and haven't been having those introspections can potentially begin that with this. But I think that's so optimistic. I think the people who need to see this aren't the ones who are going to see this. Mm. This is an art house movie, an indie movie. Mm, good the people point. who should be seeing a film that is about sexual harassment, about microaggressions, those kind of things, aren't going to watch this movie. Yeah. And fundamentally, this isn't the movie that is going to explain to them why that behaviour is wrong. It just showcases this behaviour happens. Yeah. I think that's the yeah. biggest flaw. No, that's a, re- that's a really good point genuinely i hadn't thought about it in that way and that's yeah that is quite damning when you when looking at it from that kind of point of view certainly um what i will also yeah. say or what i wanted to suggest is that if you were <clears throat> if you had watched this film and you wanted to look for more viewpoints on it i would highly recommend going what uh, going reading a review by lillian crawford um uh she did a review for Flicks, um, and she holds a similar, or very similar viewpoint to you, Charlotte. But it is, uh, very very well written, and I would wholeheartedly recommend to read that. And Clarice's review is amazing. Clarice Lowry's at the Independent is also a yeah. really strong review. And I'd also want to do a plug for Jeff Vandermeer's review. Oh, yeah, the author of Annihilation. Yeah. Yeah who tears this film to shreds. Mm. It's quite spoiler heavy, so bear that mind before you read it. But it really picks it apart. And weirdly, it doesn't feel like it's a targeted attack. It just feels like he's taken this entity apart for what it is. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's a very good essay, I have to say. Um, but one the one last thing I will say is that if you want a more complex and more direct uh, discussion about um about women uh, women in that situation uh, you know um the the, the role of the the, the 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 relationships between men and women in and all the different kind of facets and uh, and scales and different things um which also shares an actor with this so papa siedu uh, who is is in men as uh, the late husband. He's also in I May Destroy You, mm. uh, Michaela Cole's series from uh, a couple of years ago, which is just phenomenal. And yeah, goes into all of those things that, that this film just kind of goes, like like Charlotte said, just kind of points to and properly interrogates them and, and, and goes beyond that as well. I think it's just astonishing piece of work. If you haven't seen it already, it's everywhere. I'm, I'm sure still on like iPlayer and whatnot. Um, but yeah, and Papa Siedu is just the most phenomenal actor, and 
uh, he deserves all the notes that he got from I May Destroy You, and I hope that he has a, you know, a fantastic career ahead of, ahead of him, and I'm sure he will, alongside Jesse Buckley. Um, but yeah, it's it's... The more I think about this film, and the more I talk about it, and the more I read, I am just feeling like, yeah, yeah, it may, maybe I'm noticing more of a a whiffed attempt here than I than I first thought. Great. Okay. So, <laughs> on that happy note, uh, let's move on to another film. Uh, this one is, well, I say comedy, but horror feels more apt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the most painfully accurate and uh, and, and um, relatable films I've certainly seen in a while. All My Friends Hate Me. It's a great start with the title. Uh, so this is, this is a bleak comedy <laughs> uh, about a man who is going to see a group of his friends for his birthday alongside his partner, uh, going out to the country and basically having the worst time of it. Uh, he's paranoid about, well, guess from the title um they've also brought along someone from the pub and he's also alienated the person who owns the house that they're all going to stay at uh so it can't go much worse well we'll have to wait and see of course uh so i saw this at the london film festival with zero expectations beyond a fun title name and had a surprisingly good time with it i thought it was very fun very um acerbic certainly um but Alex, I, have you had a chance to see this? You said I have. Yeah, it, it's actually had, like quite a wide release, which is really interesting. I think. I say, um, I'm glad to hear it. To be honest, I've not seen much down these ways, but you know, I've not really been looking because you know, having seen it. But, um, but yeah, that's good to hear. So, with that in mind, what were your thoughts on All My Friends Hate Me? Oh yeah, I thought it was properly brilliant. Actually, um, it really is like just a boiling pot of anxiety and cringe and of just insecurity which i felt on a very personal level (laughs) (laughs) um because you know that vine that's like haha i do that (laughs) i was doing that throughout this film a lot more than (laughs) a lot more than i would care to admit i think um, but yeah, no, it it's really, really well laid out, this film. It's a, a nice, tight 90 minutes, which, if you know us, you know we love a 90-minute film. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and it just, it like I said, going back to that kind of boiling pot analogy, it really is just, it just bubbles and bubbles and bubbles until the last moment where it just completely overflows and... Nothing legitimately scary is happening on screen, but you truly are like watching through your fingers, kind of going, ah, you know, just that kind of gut feeling reaction to to what you're seeing. Um, And I must admit, I don't think I appreciated the build up to that moment until it actually happened. I I don't want to spoil it. yeah too much but once the penny dropped i was like oh okay um and then it it kind of does a a whole like 360 and it is just so brilliantly done um and brilliantly written um and then it ends 
on just kind of a moment that perpetuates the entire cycle of the film um which was incredibly depressing but at the at the same time so clever um and yeah i i just thought it was brilliant it's a yeah there is that kind of weird moment of clarity before diving right back in isn't yeah. there a little bit <laughs> you really there is no breathing room at all and like i said even to the even to the final moment of the movie or it just drags you yeah. back down again one last time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you thought you were done? Surprise. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's great fun. Um, Charlotte, did you have a chance to see All My Friends Hate Me? No, I haven't yet. I'm enjoying the reviews, though, so I will see it sooner rather than later. Okay, well, I'd certainly recommend it, definitely. But, um, but great, I look forward to your take on it. Um, okay, well, we are, well, at this point, we're going to just kind of wrapping up the little loose ends in fact we might even be able to talk about a film coming out this week potentially or at least certainly preview it um so sundance london happened last weekend time of recording yeah um i'm getting my timeline completely mixed up here that's about right uh yeah uh but uh so one third of us had already had the pleasure of checking out the sundance output from beginning of the year uh now it's been pulled up a little bit to two thirds. As Charlotte has had the pleasure of uh, checking out the, the London lineup. Um, Charlotte, what were your picks of the festival? Yeah, I had a whale of a time. It was really nice. If last year it was great to have the festival back after COVID, um, lockdown one, two, three. Yeah. Um, whereas this year it felt like the festival was in full force and full potency. I did a couple of press screenings and I did a couple of public events, which all of them were just really wonderful to be back in those environments. I saw six films and one director Q&A. Uh, I saw Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul, which I quite like. Um, Alex and I have spoken already about We Met in Virtual Reality, which I'm looking forward to you seeing, Simon, so we can have like a proper chat about that yes. one. Oh, okay. Um, documentary filmed in VR. Um, Fire of Love, which was a five-star documentary and I think will be nominated for Best Picture. I think that's a safe bet. About two volcanologists. Uh, just amazing. Amazing across-the-board film. Uh, I liked Leah Grand a lot, which I think we might talk about in a second. Uh, I've forgotten a film. Um, but my favourite of the festival was A Love Song. I, that film broke me. It's 83 minutes long, so great running time. About a woman waiting for her childhood sweetheart to arrive at the campsite and it takes a kind of quirky approach in certain things with certain aspects and there's this one sequence in the film where the two characters are making ice cream cones and she delivers this dialogue Dale Dickey along the lines of this is a paraphrase but she's been widowed for seven years when she says this and she says see this is the problem it's a two-person job it's been hard to manage of my own and I text all my like close friends and went, I just want someone to make ice cream cones with. <laughs> and there's something about the film. It has these really small moments, really specific moments that are somehow universal and profound. And yeah. I went to the director Q&A on the Sunday. He was with Sam Clements um, talking on the 90 Minutes or Less podcast. And this is a filmmaker to watch. Like, he is a young man, really with tiny budgets and tiny support networks on these films really small groups of 
friends making these films, producing such wonderful things, such powerful, heartwarming films. So I'm really looking forward to whatever he does next. Wonderful. Okay. As I say, I, I'm so gutted I couldn't make any of these things, but I'm so glad that you had a good time and saw some really good things and some great discussions as well. Well, I say that because I know about one which wasn't so great. Uh, and let's, well, let's get on that already because, um, well, we know that this weekend at the point of recording, one film which has been doing some genuine numbers in terms of uh, uh, appreciation and admiration from people who've seen it. Good luck to you, Leo Grand. Grant, yes. I'm assuming yeah. I'm saying that right. Great, excellent. Uh, so this is, well, this is a, a new comedy from uh, written by Katie Brand, uh, starring um, Emma Thompson and, oh, for heaven's sake, this is... Daryl McCormick. Thank you. I, I'd i say I'm more prepared than this, but this happens every week. Uh, so yes, Daryl McCormick, Emma Thompson, and a cast of others who, well, I, I'm, I'm the least equipped to discuss this film because I'm the only one who hasn't seen it yet. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> uh, I, I, again, leave leave things. I will concede the floor to you guys. So uh, I would love to hear more about Good Luck to Leo Grand, Alex, and or Charlotte. Take it away. Should we do a teaser review and then you could do the full thing next week when you've seen it? Yeah, I'm going to try and see it this weekend. I really hope I can. So yeah, um, if you guys want to go ahead and and yeah tease it and uh, yeah, I also want to kind of. Discuss what you mentioned as well, Charlotte, from your time at Sundance. It is a two-hander film. It's a short film, filmed during COVID. Uh, but it's one of the few films where that's really worked to the film's advantage. You are fully, literally stuck in a hotel room with these two characters. And over the course of several meetings together, you're finding out more about both characters. Uh, the runtime clocks in at under 100 minutes. Again, very appealing. And it's two really winning performances with Sophie Hyde, who also directed Animals, which I loved from a couple of years ago, another Sundance darling. It's a British comedy in all senses of the word, that it's feel good but bittersweet. It's emotional, it's funny, it's witty, it's really wonderfully performed. It's a really charming one. Oh, lovely. Okay. Um, let's say I'm, I'm hearing good things. And yeah, from what you said, Charlotte, that's just so encouraging. Uh, Alex, I know that you talked about this mm. a little bit at the beginning of the year, but have you have have you had a chance to think about it more since then? Well, I'm always thinking about it because it it truly is one of the best films of the year so far, and I I highly imagine that it's gonna make my top ten list come the end of the year. Um, because it is just so brilliant. Everything that Charlotte said about it is just so true. There's just yeah there's such a hopeful tone to it which is just so brilliant and especially when it comes to its its discussion and representation of um of just sex in general of mm. body image and of sex work specifically i think um which is just kind of unseen unheard of in the film industry so it's just so amazing to see to see it represented in such a way that it is in Good Luck to Leo Grand. Um, and, you know, in a film that's got Emma Thompson in the lead role in it, you think that everyone would be talking about her, but 
I mean, I didn't know who Daryl McCormack was before I watched this film because I, it, I watched it back in January and that was before Peaky Blinders had started because he was in Peaky, the last series of Peaky mm. Blinders. Um, Jesus. <laughs> and oh my God, do I have a new obsession? <laughs> he was at Sundance in person. I was watching him being photographed. Like, Emma looked amazing. Do not get me wrong. She was stunning, a goddess. Yeah. But there's something about him, particularly after you've seen the film. I mean, it shows that the bar is on the floor. That in my head, I was like, oh, this is so sexy. He was talking about consent and her pleasure. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> if that's what makes me happy these days, I've really given up on the world. Uh, um, but yeah. yeah. Just the way. I mean, he's such a presence in that movie mm. and the way he holds himself and every line just kind of gives you a bit of a bit of a back tingle. I'm not going to lie. Because um, <laughs> he's we just... refer to him as a specimen, which feels really nasty, but he's just such like a, a depiction of positive masculinity. Yeah, thousand percent. Um, and yeah, so yeah, truly, truly brilliant stuff. And I really, really hope this gets the just the the conversation around it that it deserves and the publicity that it deserves and any awards that it might um get or be nominated for mm. in the future uh because it, it just really does deserve it because it, it's just it's wonderful really really at the q a katie brand was saying what encouraged her so much was about the idea of writing for pleasure about just it doesn't matter like do what makes you happy and i don't think enough films really explore that mm. It's often big scale, like matter of life or death, but this is just one woman finding happiness at an age where she hasn't been able to be happy in different euphemistic ways before. Yep. That human connection as well, and that's what we all need right now, because life is weird. Yeah, because it was... um, Yeah. Even watching it back in January, there was still a thought of like, Oh, you know what? We've been locked in our rooms by ourselves for so long that this is like, it's where it's at. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. Um, well, I'm I, if I wasn't excited already, I'm so I'm just ah, oh, I cannot wait to watch this film. Um, but Charlotte, your uh, experience with this at Sundance wasn't entirely perfect. So must yeah. from what you told me. Uh, I tweeted about this as well because I was so outraged as I left the cinema. I, and I'm someone who, if I get given the wrong order, I, I'm not very good or I haven't been until recent years of like sending it back or complaining. In the classroom, like Miss Harrison could take over the world, but Charlotte Harrison is shit. I didn't know where eggs were in Tesco for six months. I was too scared to ask for it. I just want to really reiterate. I'm not, but I nearly heckled this woman. There were two questions and it was just a two question only from the audience. And it felt such a waste because both questions questioned, particularly Sophie Hyde, the director, why the film wasn't another film. Uh, the first question asked why it was a positive depiction of sex work and why it didn't show the problematic dark side. And the second question was, well, what if Emma Thompson's character was a man and it was an older man and those dynamics? And both questions infuriated me because, A, I don't know if it is a positive representation. It's not a pretty woman they live happily ever after kind of view on his job or her life. And also, I can't think, and I was thinking about this afterwards, I can't think of another time where I've seen a woman aged 50 plus having sex on screen in a mainstream movie before. 
Hmm. That's yeah. a good point, actually. It's that whole thing of like a lot of people say to me, like complain, oh, there's loads of female action hero movies. But when you start counting them on your fingers, and you give yourself a time limit, your list of male action heroes is going to far outweigh your female action heroes. And it's the same thing here. Of when have we seen love and pleasure of an older woman depicted on screen, man versus woman? Yeah. So I was annoyed at those questions. I felt like there was a waste of questions. Let's say it's yeah, so frustrating when you get a film that yeah, sounds so so like exciting and encouraging and like you say touches on so many things that you don't get a chance to see. And I think and what then... makes the sex work um question so stupid. I mean obviously I wasn't there but from what I've heard is that actually that question seems to want to put sex work into this binary where mm. the film actually delivers it with a lot more nuance and kind of it doesn't just say, oh, this is like this is brilliant, everyone should do this kind of thing. Yeah. And he calls her out for her misconceptions and yeah. her assumptions mm-hmm. over his profession. It's so yeah. well handled in the script that I felt like the question was ignoring how good Katie Brown's script is here. Yeah. Absolutely mm. not all, yeah. Like, I would have asked them, like, what did you take away from this film? Because I reckon making this film, writing, reflecting, acting and directing this film would make you reflect on so many important things about human connection and adventure and pleasure. That's what I want to know. What did you take away from it? I saw one of the interviews that Emma Thompson did, and she mentioned that, like, during the beginning of production, apparently they all just took their clothes off and sat in a room together and talked about their bodies. Which I just think is, like, so... <laughs> like there's just something so human and wonderful about that that you would never even think that something like that would happen. But it's just there's just something so positive and wonderful around that idea and the idea of the whole film that it just yeah. Like we're taught to feel so much shame about our bodies mm-hmm. that we're not a certain size, a certain shape, a certain tone. When realistically, we're all just walking decaying bags of meat. Like, I just, yeah. We should end the podcast with that. (laughs) (laughs) We're all just decaying bags of meat. Bye! (laughs) We're just decaying bags of meat. And on that bombshell. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Um, But yeah, I think, yeah, it's it's great that more films like Good Luck to the Neo Grand are coming out and being made in the first place. And yeah, to hell with annoying, stupid Q and A questions from prudes. Well, I'll um, tell you COVID, what. I, COVID though really helped. I thought with Q and As because you had to pre-submit your questions, and then they could pick the best questions as yeah. opposed to mm-hmm. randomly guessing who's going to answer a good question. Let's say it's a new normal we've been deprived of again <laughs> well oh god and on that bombshell <laughs> well, i'll tell you what if that was the teaser review i can't wait for the full one man i was gonna say yeah i <laughs> don't know what else i can bring but provided i get to see it i will try <laughs> uh but in terms of films we definitely will be talking about next week i mean again well we like june is that month every year where there is something big out pretty much every week and this June is no exception because we have, among other things, Lightyear. So this is 
as you may already know, the Buzz Lightyear film that inspired the toy that inspired Toy Story. Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> so is it meant to be Andy's favourite film? Yes. It is yeah, meant to be the Andy's Star Wars film. of the Toy Story universe. That really confused me for a second. More than it should have done as a concept. I was trying to like, <laughs> mash Star Wars into Toy Story. I was like, no, I get it. <laughs> Could practically see the uh, formula moving <laughs> around. Yes. in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yes, of course, there is Galaxia Grand, and I think there might be something else coming out. If there is, it's escaping me, but we'll keep you up to date with those things, certainly, and all the upcoming big news and trailers from the next week. But until then, I've been Simon Whitlock. Charlotte's been Charlotte Harrison. Stay sexy. I nearly forgot. Yeah. Almost forgot, and seems especially apt after talking about Leo Grand. <laughs> <laughs> The cane bag of meat. <laughs> the cane bag of meat. <laughs> Doesn't quite roll off the tongue. Uh, and Alex has been Alex Gilston. Always. As always. Wonderful. We'll see you next time for the Lightyear Review and more. But until then, have a lovely week. Enjoy your weekend. Bye-bye. Bye bye.